Hello, I'm Angela. And I'm Marie, the second half of this mother and daughter team. Welcome to Chalker Checkups. We're here to guide you on your quest for spiritual knowledge and enlightenment. All right, we're back. We are definitely back. (laughs) I know that you all were missing us quite a bit by the voice messages that we got being like, are you guys okay? We miss hearing from you. So we are back. We just had a lot going on. First off by moving mom down from Oregon to Mexico. Yes, I'm here in Mexico. Woohoo! <laughs> so she got to fly down and hang out in this cozy house and and pool and pool <laughs> and I got to be the one to fly up to do the long enormous road trip down. So um, my car thanks you. I thank you. <laughs> the car thanks me. Oh my gosh! I don't think the car liked me very much at all with the way that I drove it. But we're all down here now, so that's great. Other things of note: we have been podcasting for one year now. It's our podiversary. <laughs> <laughs> we have had to, as of today. Well, this. The number varies a little bit, but 14,263 listens. I figured that out. If I had to talk for one hour to each of each of these people that listen to our podcast, it would take me 39 years. So you guys out there, you saved me 38 years by, <laughs> by listening to the podcast. Listening, sharing, talking about it with your friends. We thank you guys so much for listening. And um, we hope that you keep sharing the good good work out there with everybody and try to help a lot of people. We'll definitely keep making podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> with shorter breaks in between next time, hopefully. <laughs> but it took some time to get me to Mexico logistics and all, but it is amazing here. Everyone that I talked to in Oregon would say, oh my God, it's so dangerous there. How long has your daughter been there? She's still alive. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I think the biggest danger of Mexico is that you're going to fall in love with this place and never want to go back to the United States. I mean, that's what happened to me. I moved down just to see what it was like to live somewhere outside of the U.S. for a little bit. And I kept meeting the nicest people I've ever met. And the community just totally won my heart over and I never wanted to leave. So what was supposed to be a five month, you know, summer abroad turned into seven years with the roots. And what do I love about Mexico so far is epic sunsets. It's just a beautiful, beautiful place uh, to live. The air is so clear. It's just amazing. There's very little traffic, especially when it's raining. (laughs) (laughs) The roads turn into little rivers. But uh, the food is amazing here. I'm loving the food. And she's been taking me around to some of these epic restaurants. And we're doing the taco tour. The taco tour. Big shout out to Barracuda and Pacifica. Pacifica Fish Market. Yeah. Both of those have awesome, awesome tacos, shrimp and 
fish tacos, sweet potato tacos, uh, just amazing smoked fish. Quesadillas. Quesadillas, just incredible food and less expensive than in the United States. So it's really, that's another plus. Yeah, the inflation you said before you moved up was just getting insane, especially when you were living in a small town in, in Oregon, that it was just getting incredibly expensive to even buy groceries oh yeah so which is now so here everything is less expensive and it's just really really nice quality and and the people here i don't know when you're in a restaurant many restaurants i've been in people are kind of grumpy in the states and here it just seems like they're all of these entrepreneurial businesses with people that are so happy and so happy to be working and have their little business and provide excellent quality products. So it's uplifting just to go and sit and eat in one of these places or deal with some of the little local, local merchants. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, they're a fast spider and they're a jumping spider. So they can literally run faster than I can across a room. And they're, <laughs> they're big. And they're very large. So when I first moved in, I was like, oh, my God, there's no way that I can have these guys in my house. But then as I would try to kill them, they're incredibly hard to catch or kill or squat because they're so fast with very high reflexes. So, but mom is not quite there yet. I well, think. I'm working on it. I, I did not kill one this morning, but... That was a very large spider. And twice now, when I was reaching for my files for my chakra checkups, one leaked out of my files, and I wasn't really thrilled about that. So I've been sleeping with the light on so when I get up, I don't step on one of these critters in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. The other thing we have here in Mexico is more types of scorpions, I guess, than anywhere else in the world. And we have had more than one type in the house almost once a day. So we're trying to learn to be friends with those, but that's not working too well. I'm a bad Buddhist. I am probably going to come back as a scorpion because I've been killing those guys. <laughs> <laughs> but that aside, it's really amazing here. Yeah. We did a little outing and I took her up into the mountains where there's um, a wonderful museum that has a lot of the history of Baja in it. And one of my favorite uh, facts that comes from that museum is that in 1533, Spanish explorers heard stories from the Aztecs of an island rumored to be rich in minerals and ruled by Amazon women, which... I think is still kind of accurate to today because I see a lot more successful, entrepreneurial, strong, independent women in this area than there are men. And so I think that's interesting that back in the day, they thought that this was an island rich with Amazonian warrior women. I don't know about the Amazonian part, but I imagine some of these women do have warriors here. <laughs> They're certainly hardworking. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, on the drive up into the mountains, you were uh, looking out on the desert landscape and looking at the giant Cardone cactus, and you said something that I thought was really interesting. Well, I've been around the, the uh, giant redwoods. I lived not too far from them, so I was able to go down and spend a night sleeping up against one 
And the redwoods have these incredible plant diva spirits in them that are like a, a grandfather in a way and will literally sort of wrap around you. And we started setting up against one and fell asleep and spent the whole night and just woke up in incredible space. So they have this great energy. And when I started driving through the desert with Angie, looking at the Cardones, actually the large, the really large ones have an energy, I think more profound than the redwoods, the giant redwoods. It's a, it's the best way I can describe it. It's very majestic. There's a, there's this like wise man or wise wizard energy about them. And one of the main differences I, I realized is that the Cardone actually reaches out to you. Mm. So when not every single plant, but the older plants, they seem to have a spiritual presence that's strong enough that they can extend out to someone who is conscious of them. Mm. And I can feel it when we're driving by from certain, certain individuals of the larger sizes. It's really, really quite incredible. And I, you know, I find myself wondering if I should meditate on them and see what more they want to say or are trying to get across because it's just, it's like being amongst hundreds of sentient beings that have a great deal of wisdom and have probably been on the planet for, I don't know, four to 600 years. These mm -hmm. large ones are estimated to be very, very old. Yeah, I heard that they're only they only grow about an inch per offshoot per year or something and these some of them can grow up to be like 30 feet tall. And so, yeah, they estimate them to be like 4 to 600 years old, the big ones. Yeah. And yeah, they're quite quite amazing. So, when you're when you are in Mexico, slow down and drive by slowly or stop and just breathe and see if you can't feel what's being offered by this incredible tree or plant. I don't know which it's considered. They're bigger than a lot of trees, but uh, uh, there really definitely is something there. It reminded me of when I was in Brazil with Machinia and she would, she would driving along, she was looking out the window and she started crying. And I asked her, why are you crying? And she said, because I can't sing the song of every plant mm. that I go by, but they want me to. And it's a bit how I felt with the Cardone. They, they're wanting to express something. And they're wanting it to be received. And I could feel it. So that was just amazing for me. I love the look of cactus. And I, I although I always managed to kill mine, but uh, once I bring them inside, but um, I'm definitely a cactus lover anyway. So that's something to check out. That's probably something to check out anytime you do travel or experience a new environment is to take a moment of peace and rest and connect with an environment that you aren't used to. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, absolutely. Mother Nature is very strong and there are many, many aspects to nature. There are plant divas, there are elementals, there are angels that are overseeing some of the plant divas and some of the elements of nature. And 
much of this can be responsive to you. That, that's a possibility, something to, something to work on a little bit. We had a hurricane. We survived a hurricane. <laughs> Mom's first hurricane, yep. And, and it, it actually was. It looked like it could have been a doozy, but it ended up not being that bad here. But unfortunately, it does look like there's quite a bit of damage to one of the other bigger cities nearby. I think our area has a high spiritual amount of people in here. So I have seen quite a few storms and people will joke about uh, all of all of the town must have smudged and sent us <laughs> sent the storms away from our area. <laughs> Said they've all practiced being with the energy of the hurricane instead of tensing against it. It must have helped because it would whip up and then it would calm down again. We had a tremendous amount of rain and we had the inconvenience of electricity going off and on, the water off and on, all of this sort of thing. But basically, it was really beautiful to see all of those elements of nature banging around against each other and with all the plants and everything else. It was a tremendous amount of elemental energy in a hurricane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, going by the beach and seeing the massive waves crash on shore and stuff, it's always a reminder to me how small we are and how much bigger the world and the elements are. Yeah, there was water pouring into the area where we parked more than we realized. We parked quite a ways away from everything, came back to two wheels in the water and several cars that were in two or three feet of water. It happened very, very fast. Mm -hmm. But there's no reason not to think that you could not influence, favorably influence an elemental like in a hurricane, which is a combination of several water, wind, the air, all of these different elements, electricity, the, the uh, lightning, it is possible to influence this in a way that could not harm your town or not harm your house or let's, let's back up. Cause how many elementals are there? Cause I would have assumed that it would have just been water, fire, earth, and air. air right but now you're talking about electricity well that's energy it's energy and that's uh, all energy is connected to an energetic being okay so is there other elementals of note that we might not immediately think of well i don't know for sure i've worked with some elementals and of course everyone talks about the basic you know uh, four but um it's hard to know there are all, I know that there are all these divisions in nature in terms of almost like a hierarchy in terms of authority over different things or influence over different things. But I certainly haven't seen a flow chart or anything laying it all out. I would like to have more information about that. Some people say that working with, once you can harness, if you can, I doubt this, but elementals that you can, you know, you have sort of the ultimate power, but uh, I haven't found them to be that cooperative with people. Nor that interested in working no, with people. Nor that interested. But that doesn't mean that as a group, if we're respectful and we wish to not be have our house torn apart by a hurricane, that we couldn't influence 
that and the angels that are around that to move something away or keep it from creating the ultimate damage. I, I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility at all. With things like hurricanes and large winter storms and stuff, do you think that is easier to positively influence the outcome in smaller groups, like smaller towns compared to these big cities where maybe the the more thought form is a general panic and we're going to die attitude? Do you think because of some of those thought forms, the storm might be worse in those areas? Well, there's probably more resistance against having a storm, anything you're fearing, you're attracting. And you do have, let's say you had 30 people in our little town meditating and it's a small population. So that is a bigger piece of influence than if that same 30 people were in New York City. Right. There'd be so many thoughts in general and all kinds of, of tumultuous energy that it's harder to project that energy with the same amount of power that you would have in a less populated area. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why oftentimes uh, uh, monasteries and things are removed from populated areas and they're a little bit more offset, you know, out in the country or up on a mountain or something because they want to be able to project and develop spiritual energy around without too much conflict with the thoughts of the general humanity in the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I just had a thought and I'm not sure why it's popping into my head right now, but I remember you telling me that there was like an angel that came and made all of these children hold hands in a circle during the bomb of Hiroshima. Yes. I had a friend, um, that, uh, she was very good friends with one of these women. There were apparently there was like a school or, or an orphanage. I'm not really sure which it was, but there, so there were these children without parents as this attack was coming. And this, this woman, um, she was quite old when my friend met her and my friend was in her, in her late seventies, but she said, this woman said that this, she was, she was five or six and a lady just appeared, came, walked up to them and said, you know, come with me, children, let's hold hands. We're going to sing a song and started to sing the song and the bomb dropped very, very close to them. They were pretty much at ground zero, but they were basically untouched. They didn't even get dusty. They were just, they finished their song. They were completely clean. That woman walked them out of there and then she disappeared. Yeah. That gives me chills. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And the, none of them got diseases. They didn't get cancer. They didn't have radiation poisoning or anything. And it definitely changed their life. Well, yeah, they forever. I mean, I mean that was a very, you know, intense and drastic and horrible event that they were right in the middle of. So it, and yet they had this literal energetic force field of protection around them. Yes. It had to be an angel. It had to be an angel protecting them. And uh, I would have loved to have met that woman, but my good friend was good friends with her. And it, it is quite incredible. 
but there's no reason something like that could not happen. Mm -hmm. If for some reason there was one or more of those children or all of them, of course, that had somehow caught the attention of the angels and were being protected, perhaps their parents, one or more of their parents or somebody praying for them was enough to bring an angel to them. It's hard to know. Yeah, it's hard to know. So we are doing meditation groups now and uh, raising the vibrations, raising in the, area. the vibration. And I noticed that we did this. We had this group here in our home. And then Angie and I did a meditation a day or so later, and it was much stronger than our average meditation might have been. Mm. So it makes me, you know, again, affirms the idea that whenever you do anything in a group, it is stronger and, and has a lasting energy that is really positive, both on the community and the individuals and definitely on your home. So it's can be kind of a hassle to drag everybody out and get, get them to respond and be there. Um, but it's definitely worth doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you can get a group meditation going or some I feel like even if it's a couple people, maybe you've sent this to a friend and now you guys want to try and do a lot of things like a group of, you know, you said four or five is still a yeah. good group. Yeah, it's a very good. It's much better than being totally by yourself trying mm -hmm. to meditate. Well, both are really, really useful, but there is more power in the group. And if you focus, the group is all on a similar um theme during the meditation, then that of course is going to multiply also. And, and so that can have a lot of power. Mm -hmm. If you're stopping a storm or you're simply trying to heal your town. Mm -hmm. I, on my drive down, I got the chance to stop and say hello to my good friend, Malvina, who we did have on the show earlier. And she took me to breathe degrees and we went to a breathwork class with the cold plunge and the hot plunge and back and forth. But what I thought was so interesting was that in the middle of San Diego with this environment that seems more like a hot yoga, like a California hot yoga type environment, while we're all sitting in the cold plunge or the hot plunge after everyone was talking about what they were seeing in the breathwork classes. And I thought that was very cool to be in a completely different environment and talking about spiritual things in a very different way. But everyone was very excited and upbeat and happy after I've done that in a group setting because essentially it was intense focus on on your breath you like you had said in that episode most of the times during breathwork classes or during a breathwork exercise people will see things quite a bit actually people have come out of i've i've experienced that a lot i have had breathwork as part of my shamanic training when i was doing uh classes for shamanic training and People come out of it and go, why would you need to drink ayahuasca or take plant medicine when you can have this much of an experience breathing? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really take a lot to do. You don't have to go to a class. 
it helps if you do it in a pair or maybe four people and you decide to do breath work, say in an evening or an afternoon. But a, a really simple and powerful way to do breath work is just to have a few yoga mats so people can lay on the floor and then do it in partners. And you have one partner is just sitting with you and kind of holding space for you and reminding you to breathe and keeping you from going to sleep. Mm -hmm. And then the other person just lays down and you take big, deep belly breaths, just breathe in so that you feel your belly expanding and then breathe out a good, strong exhale. And you continue to do that for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. and most people, they have never done that much concentrated, just breathing. For one thing, it'll oxygenate a tremendous amount of your body that probably hasn't been seeing any oxygen in a while. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it also, it will change your uh, perspective and move you into a higher state of consciousness. And it helps to open up your third eye and connect you to your uh, angelic beings. So it's definitely worth trying you know, be healthier or work out or experience. And, and yet, you know, two thirds of the class all ended up talking about something very spiritual. So I do think it's a lot more common to than than we let on, even if people are just going to and from their nine to five job. So. Well, I think we're in an age where actually spirituality is very, very important, more so than it has been in my entire life. There's something has changed and sort of this is the time to wake up and start to experience yourself mm -hmm. and i think everybody's feeling that to some degree mm -hmm. and so they're reaching out more and maybe being more open to having experiences and i know me personally i'm super easy to disregard anything that i'm seeing of like oh i'm i don't think that i'm making that up or maybe i'm not seeing something or or whatever, but one of my friends kind of put it in, described it in a perfect way. And what she said was, it's kind of like when you stare at the sun and then you close your eyes and you're seeing those spots drift, drift across your eyelids. And when she had said that to you, you said, well, yeah, that's exactly what it's like when your third eye is starting to open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You'll see things in, in, in quick flickers and you'll see different uh, ghost images. And uh, sometimes you'll feel something and then you'll feel have a funny feeling if you're paying attention and then you'll quickly see something. Mm -hmm. So you're actually feeling that approach of that or the opening of that. And then suddenly you have this burst of sight that can definitely happen. Yeah. And all you have to do is breathe. You know, you don't have to go anywhere just breathe. You can do it by yourself, but it does take a lot of discipline to do it without a partner. Even the idea of them, someone just sitting there watching you tends to make you more concentrating and focusing on your energy relative to just, okay, I'm breathing. I went to sleep, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> you do get relaxed. Something you can try with your partner, your roommate, you know, your family or whoever may live in the household with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll be definitely doing some of that down here. I'm, I've got a whole list of things that I want to do. And and so far, there's no resistance from anybody to doing that. Mm -hmm. I mean, Did you think there would be? 
we're running into people all over the place. <laughs> They're all willing. <laughs> Which, please, help my mom out. If you do end up running into her, please introduce yourself first and last name. Right. People are saying, like, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm Mary. And I'm thinking, Mary, I've got like six Marys. <laughs> and I don't know which ones live in, in Mexico. I've got like, I don't know, I've done just just under 700 readings in the last oh my god i didn't realize we were up to 700 yeah, and uh, you know there's more than one mary there's more than one jennifer <laughs> there's you know, a lot of names are the same so yeah tell me your first and last name <laughs> <laughs> we had this one woman we were in uh this cafe in this little mining town and i was looking across the room and I kept thinking, I know her, I know her, but I knew I'd never seen her before. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to jump up and go over to their table. And then she came over and said, you did a reading for me. And I thought, well, that makes sense. I recognized her energy. Yeah. <laughs> she recognized our voices and you recognized her energy. Yeah. It's a, it's a strange way of being met that way. And it's not usual for me to be uh, running to just so many people I meet on the street. Yeah. You know? In, in the market, in the bakery, in the <laughs> restaurants. They're everywhere. <laughs> but actually, I think it's great. I think it's great. So, so we are definitely going to be doing some classes. We're going to be doing Zoom classes. And we're going to be doing local things here. Yeah. Um, and if you want to make sure to connect with us about that, go on the site put yourself on the mailing list yep so uh now that me and my mom are in the same place i can finally teach her how to use some of these online online programs like zoom terrifying for, for large classes <laughs> it, it trust me it's much easier in person than it is to have her um facetime with me for tech things being like put the phone there no put it closer no put it farther away um <laughs> so if you would like to hear about anything that is going to be happening or going on we for sure will be sending out emails with all of that information at the time that we get that started so if you're not on the mailing list yet go to chakracheckups.com and there should be a link at the bottom of the page to put your email in and subscribe to that mailing list. We had some people had questions both here and also on the site that we wanted to talk about a little bit. One of the ladies in our meditation said she was nervous because she was worried about picking up uh, negative energy. She said, yeah, what if something big gets released? How do I stop it from getting into me? Right. And this is something that I think a lot of this has to do with so much creepy stuff on television and on, on the, you know, on videos and various different things. People are a little bit, um, over anxious about the possibility of something creepy jumping into their energy. Mm -hmm. So ghosts under your bed and, and whatever, whatever for the demon for, attack or yeah. So, Tis the season of scary movies. So I, I want to talk about for that for a few minutes. It is really, really unlikely if you are a person of light, like 99.9% .9 unlikely that anything can jump into your energy. 
all dark energy is repelled by light. Mm -hmm. So if you're a person that meditates, you have positive thinking, you're not running around hating anybody, there's no reason at all to fear or believe that some dark thing is going to leap into you. Mm -hmm. Your light is their kryptonite. It is not going to, it's not going to allow them it. They'll run the other way. The only way that you can really attack, attach to, or attract to you a really, really dark energy is if you were doing something really horrific, like killing people or, or beating people up or stalking and raping them or some really dark thing that will definitely could attach you to a demon. Mm -hmm. But what about that on a smaller scale that, you know, there's some energy cleaning going on in a room, someone's, you know, released an entity and, you know, let's say you do resonate with that energy a little bit. Well, if you, if you, okay, let's say you went into this meditation and there were 10 or 11 people in the meditation and five or six of them are just meditating on light. That alone is going to produce a kind of bubble of light that's going to be protective, but like around everybody, around everyone, uh -huh. you know, and probably beyond that, beyond the house, even it's going to just project light vibration 360. But let's say there is one or two people or three people in there that are or sick or very depressed or, or very angry. And one of them starts thinking about, I'm not the only one. She's also angry. I can feel it from here. Now, if you, if you've done that, then that person, when they say that I can feel that they have crossed a line that they should not cross. They've gone into this other person's energy. And if this other person, has similar anger and upset and trauma. Once you project into their energy, it kind of builds a bridge or a highway right back to you and they can dump on you. Okay. So the thing to do would be if you found yourself suddenly feeling somebody's angst or energy, you say, Whoa, I want to stop that. Mm -hmm. pull my energy back. I'm not going to process this in my body and please angels send her or him some extra love and attention so that they can deal with whatever they've got going on. Mm -hmm. Otherwise they can continue even after the meditation. When you go home weeks later, you could still be downloading their stuff and it won't help them and it won't help you. So it's not a healing. It's, just a negative connection that you should never have done. Mm -hmm. Which doesn't happen if you're just focusing on love and light and just meditating, and yes. just meditating, just meditating. So that, that could happen, but you would have some responsibility for that happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe then you'd learn a little bit about it and then you, I mean, is that like consciously thinking like, I want to pick up that person's shit? No, but if you're consciously feeling what other people are feeling, then you're projecting into their energy. Okay. No, it's interesting. When I tell somebody they're telepathic, they usually say, yeah, I get that. But they tend to think that nobody else is. 
Right. If I mean, I don't think that anyone would consider themselves telepathic. No, I think a lot of people know that they are, but they they don't necessarily believe that anybody else is. And so they're projecting these thoughts or projecting into someone's field and feeling their thoughts, but they don't think that those people are projecting their thoughts or feeling what's going on. And I think if you begin to have the idea or understand that all of your thoughts are things, they're like, when you create a thought, it's like creating a little ghost of your own. And that little ghost could be white light or darker brown or whatever. And it's going to go right to the person that you're thinking about every single time. So be careful about what and how you're thinking and projecting. And then that's going to keep you energetically cleaner. I want to go back to, you know, our Halloween movie specials. Netflix right now says there's a whole selection of scary movies that you can watch. And I do know that there's a lot of that type of advertising for this, that, the other scary Halloween theme. Something like does watching a scary movie like create dark energy into your home? Well, here's the thing about that. Some of what is in movies is just pure imagination doesn't exist. Some of what is in some of these scary movies, and I don't watch a lot of them, so I, you know, I can only imagine. But some of what's in these scary movies are things that people have seen or dreamed of from or experienced on the astral. And then the artist turned that into uh, an animated object in a movie mm-hmm. or turned that behavior into an event in the movie. If you look at, and I experienced this a lot when I was younger, when I was trying to determine what was going on with people that had demons or very dark energy, I would look at it intently. And what I learned over time was that the more I looked at it and focused on this dark energy, that was kind of building a bridge because I was going into the energy and trying to figure out of this dark thing, be it a demon or dark thought form, whatever it is. And that's no different if you're watching television, if that representation on television is actually very, very similar or the same as an actual demon. Mm -hmm. So if you focus on a darkness and that darkness is in existence somewhere, that darkness now picks up that thread of energy coming from you and comes back and starts to focus on you. If you were just light, it would not be able to see you, but now you've reached to it. You connected to it and you joined or focused and paid attention to it. So you're kind of extending an invitation. So even if you're watching it, not thinking any of these things are real, that could happen because some might be based off of what these real events, real uh, dark energy, what these producers have seen in dreams or nightmares or whatever. Yes. Yes. 
And it isn't exactly like then that thing's going to jump into your body and take you over or make you a zombie or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But what it can do, I had one time when I was doing a kind of exorcism on a demon and it just hovered around me in a way that I could feel it around me and it kept making me sick. I'd be sick for four days with a headache and then I'd recover. Then I'd be sick for four days with a stomach ache and then I'd recover. Then I'd be sick for, you know, my, my knee would hurt. It seemed like it was in four day increments, mm -hmm. but I hadn't, I had it happen enough times. And then I had to go to a lot of effort to completely remove myself from this energy, which you generally do by generating tremendous amount of light. Oh, and then, and then it could clear. So I know that there's, there's a reality to it. And it's something that I would think carefully about. I personally think you know, people worry about, or they used to worry about pornography or should that be banned? I think these really scary things should be banned. I think they're not useful for anybody. They don't. Not something that we could just smudge after and go on with our, our well, life afterwards. Well, smudging after definitely would help, but if you have a little kid that's staring wide-eyed at this stuff and those images are like being projected so strongly into their head, then they're thinking and thinking about them. Mm -hmm. They are on this producing this pathway to that dark energy. Okay. And then it might start saying, Oh, the kid might start saying, wow, there's something in my room. There's something coming through the wall and be all creeped out. And that could be actually true. What is happening? Yeah, because kids are a little bit more psychically open, right? Yeah, and they leap around like huntsman spiders. <laughs> <laughs> kids are just like all over the place energetically. They're like, oh, I'm here, I'm there, you know. And, and they don't have any consciousness of it really. And a lot of times their parents don't. Mm -hmm. But setting, setting your 10-year-old or your 8-year-old or whatever in front of a scary movie is, to me, just plain... That shit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> to put it in Halloween terms, it's just not a good idea. Yeah. What about your run-of-the-mill uh, murderer gone wild type film? Well, I think the same thing. The same thing. Same thing. You may not attach to the murderer, but the energy of a murderer is a real thought form energy out okay. there. So you could attach to that. And then you might feel like really depressed or like really uh, anxious or, you know, have an anxiety attack or something. Go. I definitely watched, I watched that show you and the idea is this guy is a stalker and creates an environment where he becomes part of these women's lives and then is a murderer. And I like, have never felt safer than where I live. But after that, I was like, there is somebody watching outside my house. <laughs> well, and that could just be you attracted the energy and it could come very close to you, but it was still hovering there. Uh huh. Oh, it's, it's interesting. I had this Sufi woman come to me one time, beautiful energy. She just was like a, like an angel in white. And she had this demon, an actual demon with her. And I, I actually told it, you know, you can't be, you cannot be here. So it like moved about 10 feet away. And I said, no, you cannot be here. And it moved about 15 feet away. And I said, 
you cannot be in this house. So it went outside and there was not a curtain on the window and we could see it pacing back and forth, waiting for her. Hmm. And uh, so I asked her, I said, why, why do you have this thing with you? That doesn't make any sense. And she said, oh no, the demons are always right there and you have to fight them by staying in the light. So she actually had this belief system that she must have one in her face hmm. to be strong and, and be light. And I suggested that maybe that wasn't accurate. <laughs> you don't really need the demon. You could just be in the light without having the demon in your face the whole time. Uh -huh. um, but it was interesting how she, with all that light, she'd still managed to attract this thing. And, you know, when she left, it left with her. Yeah, because um, that's, you said most people like won't have one, so that must have been incredibly rare. Incredibly rare. But still, it wasn't in her body, and it wasn't touching her. But it was, as she said, kind of in her face, standing right in front of her. Okay. No. So what you're thinking and what you're mulling about in your head does make a difference in terms of your staying safe and your quality of your light and watching something horrific on television once or even more than once um, can be detrimental and not necessarily something I would want my children to watch. Of course, you probably don't remember, but you never saw any TV until you were four. And, and uh, then your grandmother brought you a copy of Little Mermaid and, or set you down in front of Little Mermaid. And you were like, in a trance. Mm -hmm. On the plus side, you didn't move for two hours. I was like, wow, this is great. <laughs> I mean, I can understand the attraction. Which is why so many kids have their own iPads now. Right. But you had never seen anything on TV. I made sure of it. I didn't want you to have that until you were older. Even yeah. before it was early, you know. I mean, it's a very different time period now than when you know, when I grew up, the internet wasn't there still. It's very, very unique um, generation to be a part of. Right. Our phones were like carrying around a small suitcase. So the phone we had, their first cell phone was about more than a foot long and about three and a half inches square and seemed like it weighed 10 pounds. It was really heavy. Mm -hmm. uh, and it cost a dollar every time you connected, even if you called and hung up, every connection was a dollar. It was crazy. But anyway, another question that we had, we had a group meditation here and some people experienced being really tired after the meditation and other people in the group were really revved up. Actually, I had so much energy the next day. I didn't even know what to do with myself, but when you get tired after doing a meditation or a ceremony, of course, some of it could be the energy expended during the uh, process, but mostly it comes down to a couple things. Sometimes you get tired because you are resisting. In a meditation, everybody is producing more light, more spiritual energy than they probably do on a average day. And if you're in that, it could go a bit beyond your comfortable threshold. 
and suddenly like your third eye wants to open and suddenly there's this burst of energy which you may not totally understand or feel comfortable with so you might resist this and resistance can make you feel very tired Mm-hmm. So that's one aspect of why you could be tired after a meditation or a group ceremony. Another reason that you could be tired is because if something was created on the angelic realm during the meditation, then sometimes the angels want you to go to sleep for a while so you can integrate that, so you can go on to the astral with them and work through the divine details and integrate what you have created. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you wake up the next day and you're tired and you keep resisting it, all oh, more coffee or whatever, and you keep going and you're just tired, tired, tired. But if you just lay down and say, okay, I'm going to completely just let myself go to sleep for 45 minutes, a lot of times then you wake up and you're feeling real, really refreshed. And that's because it's, then finished integrating in your system kind of right thing. you kind of they you were able to move on to the astral in enough time to integrate or process whatever you needed to do and then that's done and then okay then wake up and finish your day it sometimes that's not possible because you've got an agenda but the more you resist it uh, the more difficult it is because you're part of you is wanting to complete this and the other part of you is trying to you know do whatever other things that you need to do surrender be in the light exactly uh, (laughs) what else do you always tell me um... well almost all of meditation all of 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 mediumship is about surrender Mm -hmm. it's it's about just letting go and trusting yes surrender and willingness right Yes, we'd surrender, be willing, let go. Which is incredibly difficult if you're a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> like me. I know nothing about control freakness. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I began to think after years of it being pounded into my head by my angels that why not? If I know all this prayer and all this meditation to be protected, to be trust, to, to be in God's presence, to be spiritual, then why am I resisting? If if I haven't built enough energy up to protect me at that point, then I probably never will. You know, so I need to just trust that everything that I've done is working, it is there, it is light, and let go. It's as easy as that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's as easy as saying it because it's just an instantaneous decision which you can say, okay, I let go. I'm going to trust that, yes, I have protection. Yes, the angels are listening. That's everything I've been working for is working. And I don't have to do anything in this moment. Just be in the moment. Just be in the moment. I do think we have someone that called in for a question. Yeah, so here's a call in from Anna. Let's see what she has to say. Hey, Angela Murray. My name is Anna. Um, I just really wanted to say that your uh, podcast about healing past lives super, super resonated with me. I once had a three night long dream and each night it picked up where it left off. And each night I experienced a different past life. And I just want to say how much 
healing my own past lives, even though it was only three of them, um, I feel like that really helped start to heal myself a lot. And I really like the metaphor of what you said of how your soul is sometimes like a shattered crystal ball and you're piecing all those pieces back together and calling your soul so it's full. So thank you so much for the podcast and your insight and your knowledge. I appreciate it. Thanks, Anna, for calling in. We are having fantastic results with people remembering their past lives and also doing uh, soul retrieval on their past lives. Yeah, you said recently somebody was like, I don't believe in past lives. I don't believe any of this has happened. But then you walk them through a soul retrieval and instant tears. Yes. Uh, actually, actually, she said, I've never heard of energy before a month ago. And I'm going to be straight up with you. I think it's all bullshit. <laughs> and I said, well, that's okay. Some people think there aren't molecules in the air, but it doesn't change that it's there. So we'll just proceed. And uh, so I said, uh, then she started talking about some issues and I said, okay, let's just do a soul retrieval right now. And uh, she was game enough to do it. And then she was like, that's like magic. I can't believe that. I felt that. I feel so different. It made a huge impact on her, mm-hmm. a huge impact. I've talked to her since then. And she said, my whole perspective has changed the way I see things, the way I think about my past, the way I feel everything changed. And that's what we're trying to do is to heal your past. So you're no longer only seen through the eyes of the wounded child or the molested person or the person hurling through the air as your car or truck is crashing or whatever happened to you that can be stopped. That, that complex PTSD type mm-hmm, behavior, that constant anxiety or yeah, it can be stopped. And it can be stopped in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, that's like magic. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> yes, welcome to our world. <laughs> it is. It is a bit like magic. And what a blessing. What a blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now available, we have that guided meditation for soul retrieval. So please use that to your leisure as you uh, walk yourself through those traumatic events it's out there free and available to everyone yes absolutely let's heal the world let's heal the world (laughs) all right on that note we i promise we will be back next week for sure with something new and interesting to talk about and in the meantime please like and share and you know rate our podcast call in any questions there is a link at the bottom of this podcast description we love you all and thank you for listening yes thank you for listening we will be back we will be (laughs) back all right